Welcome to the Activist Files, the Center for Constitutional Rights podcast. I'm Ian Head, and I'm here with my co-host, Aliyah Hussein. On the Activist Files, we feature stories of the activists, storytellers, and lawyers on the front lines fighting for justice for our movements and communities. This is our second episode, and we're so grateful to all of you who listened to episode one and sent love our way. If you haven't listened to our first episode yet, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud, and in the coming months, we'll be on iTunes, Spotify, and much more. So keep an eye out for that. On this episode, CCR Senior Staff Attorney Pam Spees speaks with two activists fighting the Bayou Bridge Pipeline in Louisiana. But first, a roundup of some of the headlines here at CCR. Recently, CCR led a delegation to Israel and Palestine comprised of mostly black and brown human rights leaders who work on domestic social justice issues. We hope that by meeting with prominent legal advocacy and human rights organizations, academics, and community members in both Israel and Palestine, people on the delegation will be able to see the parallels with their own work challenging the history of systematic displacement and institutional racism. Unfortunately, CCR's Executive Director Vince Warren and Board Chair Catherine Frankie were detained for 14 hours and interrogated at Ben-Gurion International Airport. They were questioned about their political association with human rights groups that have been critical of Israel's human rights record. They were denied entry into Israel and deported. You can hear more about their experience on a recent episode of Democracy Now! A CCR team went to Djibouti to meet with and document the stories of Yemenis stranded while they waited for visas so they could reunite with their families in the U.S. Check out a short film, Between War and the Ban, on Al Jazeera's show Fault Lines to hear some of those heartbreaking stories of Yemeni families in Djibouti and how Trump's ban has impacted them. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court heard arguments on Muslim Ban 3.0, and allies stood in front of the courthouse during the argument to rally against the anti-Muslim animus behind the ban. We're waiting for a decision. And for some good news, we had a big win in a case we brought with the CLEAR Project at CUNY Law School against 24 FBI agents who were using the no-fly list to coerce American Muslims into spying on their own communities. Our clients were stigmatized, lost jobs, and were unable to see family members who were overseas. We filed a lawsuit seeking their removal from the list and money damages under the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act. Just days before the first major hearing in the case, the men received letters from the U.S. government informing them they were no longer on the list. A judge later refused to allow them to continue litigating their claim for damages, but that claim has now been reinstated by the Court of Appeals. The court's decision says that people can sue individual federal officials for acts of religious discrimination. Take note, FBI agents. Finally, the first Guantanamo prisoner was transferred out under Trump. Ahmed al-Darbi, who was held at Guantanamo for 12 years, was sent home to Saudi Arabia to serve out the remainder of his sentence after cooperating with the government and pleading guilty in his military commission's case. As CCR said in a statement, much as we would like to hope this transfer signals further positive movement from the administration, it doesn't. Forty Muslim men remain in prison at Guantanamo. Men the government cleared for transfer years ago, like CCR client Sufyan Barhumi, are still languishing there. Chillingly, as al-Darbi was transferred out, the administration received guidance from the Pentagon on the criteria for transferring new detainees in. Don't forget, Trump said he wanted to load it up with some bad dudes. CCR and co-counsel have a pending challenge on behalf of 11 prisoners who are detained without charge. It is up to the courts and the public to challenge the Trump administration's ugly Guantanamo policy. I'm Pam Spees with the Center for Constitutional Rights, and I'm here with our clients and partners. 
Pastor Harry Joseph, who is with the Mount Triumph Church in St. James, Louisiana, and Ann Rolfes, who is the founding director of the Louisiana Bucket Brigade. And they are here with us in New York for a series of events where we've been talking about the controversial Bayou Bridge Pipeline Project, which is a project developed by Energy Transfer Partners, which is the company behind the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, I'm going to ask Ann Rolfes to describe the project a little bit and, and talk about uh, where we're at with all of this. The Bayou Bridge Pipeline is Energy Transfer Partners' latest bad idea. Uh, for people who might be familiar with the Dakota Access Pipeline in, in North Dakota, uh, the Bayou Bridge Pipeline is the southern leg of that pipeline. And it is a 162-mile pipeline that would extend from the west of our state to the east of our state, so throughout the width of our state, ramming through some really important areas, including sources of drinking water, a beloved and important ecological treasure called the Atchafalaya Basin, and most importantly to me, right through some communities where people are trying to live and enjoy their lives. Some materials say that there will be almost half a million uh, gallons of oil running through this pipeline. So speaking of the communities that stand to be affected by this, Pastor Joseph, you live in St. James. Could you tell us a little bit about St. James and how it may be affected by this pipeline? Pastor Joseph, Pastor Maltran Baptist Church, also the president of the Help Organization, which is an organization that's been formed in all of Dallas. And what does HELP stand for? Um, <laughs> humanitarian. humanitarian Enterprise of Loving People. Right. And we're there, and we people been there. Some people retired, built their livelihood, and industry came in and destroyed a lot. Now, with uh, the Bayou Bridge Pipeline, we don't know what's coming through the pipe. Mm -hmm. So how do we know what we're going to be breeding? And if you don't know what you're breeding already, we have kids that go to school that got asthma, and some one of our youngest kids, I think is 12 years old, have been diagnosed with cancer, and that's that's been destroyed his life already. Mm -hmm. And when you don't, you got a company that's building something, and don't want to say what they're doing or what's coming through it, that lets you know right there that mm -hmm. if they can't tell you the truth now, what they gonna do when they put it there? They gonna lie from the beginning. They gonna lie till the end. Yeah. But yeah. we are gonna continue doing what we're doing, continue fighting. And trusting God mm -hmm. and just pray. And God will answer our prayer. Mm -hmm. And I feel that if we keep on doing what we're doing, the Bible declared that faith without work is dead. Well, y'all are working hard, that's for sure. And um, a lot of folks have heard about Cancer Alley. Um, can you describe a little bit about why it's called that and where it is? All right. Uh, St. James is 60 miles prior to New Orleans and about 35 miles prior to Baton Rouge. So we like in the middle of two big cities. Mm -hmm. And in that area, on the east side, which is the 5th District, everything comes to the 5th District because it's a black area. The people that's over all of this, DEQ, they don't hold them responsible. Mm -hmm. Then you have the health department that says they're going to help you, and then they come and do nothing mm -hmm. and tell us straight up that they're going to listen, but ain't nothing they can do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people just don't know what to do because we're stuck in a situation of what we're going to do because we can't get out because a lot of people don't have the finance. Mm -hmm. 
and the plants are not volunteer to buy, you know, to buy us out. So, I, you know, I think it's uh, for, for folks who don't know about that, uh, the region and what was happening along the Mississippi and that it was a, it was a plantation economy. And, and so a lot of towns that were formed after slavery were, you know, were very historic and right. it was very vibrant, right? That was a historic district. Freetown mm -hmm. was the, one of the oldest plantations, which is called at that time. But now it's a historic district and it's been destroyed. Yeah. You know, I thought it, you yourself, as an individual, and and helped the organization or plaintiffs in a case against the Department of Natural Resources. And it was really interesting that the judge actually did have questions about the impact on the, the community, the community in St. James, and the racism inherent in the setup, and who bears the burden of. And I'm just surprised. Points. I'm grateful that the judge was asking questions because mm -hmm. that showed concern. But I'm surprised he hadn't made a decision yet. Yeah. Well, we're hopeful, right? Yeah, yeah. hopefully they make the right decision. And then recently there was another challenge that was brought against the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers for a permit it granted for construction of the pipeline through the Atchafalaya Basin. Right. And so the judge in that case actually issued preliminary injunction, yeah. ordering a halt to the construction through that part of the route, uh, which cuts through some really beautiful historic swampland in Louisiana. But... This company is still rushing through, working where you can work at, and just doing what they can. And I don't think it's right, but they, they're doing it. Well, and that lets you know what kind of company you work, what you got working for you. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, Ann, because when, they are, when we say that they are ramping up construction everywhere else, there are people who are affected by that, right? There are landowners and uh, folks who live and work in that area. Can you talk a little bit about that aspect of all of this and, and what's happening in terms of your organization and others that you're working with and, and actions you all have taken and where things are right now? They are out there relentlessly with heavy equipment and, and you know, they surveyed almost overnight, it felt like, once they got the permits. And so they're out there with heavy equipment and the pipelines and, you know, you see, you see the backhoes and then you see the pipes on the ground right next to the, where they want to put them in, where they hope to put them in. And so you see that, but then you also see people from Louisiana, from around the state, who a number of organizations have trained as water protectors. And you see us out there in force uh, monitoring that construction, noting where they're making violations noting the license plates of the workers because this is a project that was sold to us as a job creator specifically for people in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And yet we are seeing pickup trucks that are from every state around us but not from Louisiana. So mm -hmm. when we go to the construction sites, and it's not just you know one or two of us who are doing this monitoring, but as we go along the route from the western part of the state over closer to St. James where Pastor Joseph lives. We see that the license plates are from Tennessee, Alabama, Texas. Mm -hmm. So they are hiring men to, to from far away to drive to our state. Mm -hmm. And that's by design, right? Uh, they're not from Louisiana. They don't feel the same attachment to the land. They don't seem, feel the same responsibility to those of us who live there. Mm -hmm. And it's that level of manipulation and cynicism that is another red flag about this company. I, you know, why wouldn't you hire people from Pastor Joseph's community mm -hmm. to build this pipeline? You know that there are the people with the skills, and yet 
they hire from out of state. You're clearly breaking a promise. And it's one of the reasons that we have been going to our governor's office pretty regularly. His name is John Bell Edwards. He is one who, who rested on this jobs promise. And so we just last week delivered photographs of the out-of-state license plates and let him know not only is the company breaking its promises, but that he, in the end, is going to be very closely tied to this pipeline because it's happened on his watch. We said it may be called the Bayou Bridge Pipeline by some, but to us it's the John Bell Pipeline, and any accidents are yours. And we know from this company's history that there will be accidents. The amount of drilling fluids that are spilled and the effect and the impact on that land and those communities is, is, is striking. And, and then there are a whole host of other things. They spilled 5 million gallons yeah. in Ohio, and one of their spills directly impacted wetlands. Yeah. And in a state like Louisiana, it, some, some people may have read the New York Times piece from a few weeks ago, front page of the New York Times on a Sunday with a significant inside photographic spread talking about Louisiana's sinking coast and the need to protect our wetlands. Mm -hmm. And yet, we're going to allow a company to come in our state. Well, we're not going to allow. You know, that's what we're working to, to stop a company from coming into our state that has a track record, not just of polluting, but of polluting and destroying wetlands. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the some of the other pieces of the work you all are doing in that you recently released records that were obtained from the Department of Environmental Quality. And uh, you, you mentioned the sinking coast and that it brought that to mind because there were some interesting emails in the in that production from the state's agency that's supposed to be regulating this, this industry. Can you speak a little bit about what the records revealed or from your perspective? Yeah, so thanks to the Center for Constitutional Rights, we were able to file a public records request of our Department of Environmental Quality for communication regarding the Bayou Bridge Pipeline. And so they gave us a lot of permits and a lot of documents, and then they also gave us 142 or 190? 62. 162 emails that, and what we did is we read through them and, you know, together with the Center for Constitutional Rights and the Bucket Brigade, we read through those emails, pulled out 17 that we thought really illustrated the problems. Some of those had to do with St. James, uh, you know, in particular, and Pastor Joseph can talk more about this, but one thing that I found very upsetting, knowing all the, all the illness that there is in St. James, we found documents between Louisiana Department of Health, and other state agencies saying that, yes, they were going to St. James. This is in preparation for a sick community, for a meeting in a sick community. Staff people were preparing to go to St. James Parish. They had made a plan not to answer questions and not to take any action, and they put that in writing. And to what they are saying, that that happened in December. When the health department came to one of our meetings, they like she said, they didn't really do anything uh, because we do have problems. And they said that they were going to test our water, and we haven't got an answer yet. Yeah. So that was proven that they did say that they weren't coming to do anything. They did do what everybody else does, is lie to us. Mm -hmm. So that haven't been done, and I don't see it being done. You know, yeah. uh, And we're still looking for some people to come in and do a health study for us because we need one. Because of you know the people that are being sick and all this stuff, I feel that the plants, the underground are that's already there. Besides the Bayou Bridge pipeline getting there, I feel was already there is have corrupted our soil, have corrupted our water, 
and that corrupted our air. So with all that being done already, how much more can you stand? Well, people are dying. Yeah. I mean, and here you have the Department of Health saying they're going to offer no solutions right. and take no action, and it's 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 astonishing. I just wanted to maybe get you to speak a little bit more about a couple of the documents that came out. Yes, yes, um, sure. Which... With uh, pleasure. <laughs> I think you know which ones I'm talking about. So go, go right well, no, ahead. maybe not. No, there's, there's, there actually are so many to choose yeah. from. Yeah. You have some favorites? Well, I, you know... I think the what what has been so interesting. I, I think in all of this, and I'll get, I'm going to pinpoint you in a minute, but um, is is the effort to really unearth and show what everyone already assumes and knows, which is the collusion. And I know this. You've been in Louisiana working on these issues for over 17 years now, and this is something you've seen over and over again. But can you talk about what it was like to see that in the documents, and then what's what's playing out? sort of politically and in, and in the media now around that issue of the collusion. It's something, of course, that those of us who live in Louisiana understand that the industry and the state are buddies. You know, they golf together, they have drinks together, they go to football games together, they hang out, right? And then they go and write permits together. We understand that. And yet you do need to understand exactly how that's happening. And that's why this public records requests and the documents that we've gotten have been so revelatory and I think groundbreaking in our state because we can see what we knew uh, but what perhaps we didn't understand. And so the very one of the very, very first documents, and it does make sense from a timeline point of view, if you think about the permitting process and what they, what the company needs right away is they need to set the wheels in motion to have to, to let the public know so Theoretically, the public can make comments and stop the pipeline or improve it or something if we want to. And so the very first document that we presented in the, in the trove that we presented was an email that the company, that Energy Transfer Partners and a consulting company that they had used, had sent to the Army Corps of Engineers, and that's a federal permitting agency. They sent the Army Corps of Engineers draft language for a public notice. So what had to happen is that the federal agency and the state agency, so the Army Corps of Engineers and the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality, had to issue a public notice saying, you know, hello everybody, this pipeline's coming, would you like to make comments on it? And what Energy Transfer Partners did was send draft suggested language for that public notice. So they essentially wrote the public document for the agencies. And what we found, and was that the agencies used energy transfer partners' language word for word. Mm -hmm. And also very revealing was the Department of Environmental Quality's response to that because what they said to the press is that, yes, this is how it works. We work with the industry. Mm -hmm. So they're not even trying to hide it. They're, they're very clearly stating that this is how it works. Mm -hmm. And so those of us in Louisiana now understand, all right, they are getting language written for them. They probably wrote a significant part of the permit. They seem, although we haven't confirmed, they seem to have written the responses to public comments where we were concerned about the drinking water or concerned about wildlife or about the impact on St. James. They certainly drafted comments. And so it reveals what we know, and that's important because that's how we start to change things. It's an exciting moment. They are under fire. They clearly feel it. 
And that's a wonderful position for them to be in, to, to, to feel the heat, because they are violating the public trust. And, and that's, that was the language used in the Pastor Joseph's community in, in the lawsuit that they filed. And so it's wonderful to see on so many levels, in court, in the public records, along the pipeline route, standing up to the backhoes, that we are after them. They are on the run. Yes, they are building and, and very busy and doing all they can to ram this thing through, but they are also on the run, and we will keep them on the run. Like Ann said, in our motives uh, is always to trust God and lean not to our own understanding, but in all our ways we're going to acknowledge him, and he's going to direct our path. So we can't leave. If we continue to trust God, let him direct us. We can't leave. I will ask you to um, just tell folks where they can get more information about this, Ann. Uh, there are a lot of, we should say that there are a lot of wonderful organizations mm-hmm. working on this. The Health Association, Humanitarian Enterprise of Loving People. Have you ever heard a better name? <laughs> um, and of course, the Center for Constitutional Rights has what they call a case page, and you can see all the public records requests that we have filed. Um, but then you can certainly go to the Facebook page of our organization, the Bucket Brigade, Louisiana Bucket Brigade, or the, or the website. And then there are great groups working on this. Loi La Vie is a, is a camp led by indigenous women. Uh, who are along the pipeline route working to stop the pipeline, very much, I think, carrying on the spirit and tradition of the Standing Rock Sioux. And Loe Lavie uh, is and Loe, French. And Loe, oh, Loe Lavie is French for water is life. Um, the 350 New Orleans is very involved. The Atchafalaya Basin Keeper, the Crawfish Producers Association West. It's a, um, Earthworks is a national organization that's helping us. Um, so there's a really great community of people working on this issue. And so listeners should visit as many of the groups, you know, spend an afternoon looking into all of all of these groups because, you know, it is a valiant battle. Yeah, we're all involved. And great, great people who are wonderful to watch on Facebook Live. <laughs> um, so on that note, I think we'll, we'll end, and thank you. Hey, everyone. We have a couple updates since this interview was originally recorded. Our folks have been fighting a bill that was introduced in the Louisiana State Legislature called HB 727. It's like similar laws introduced in other states pushed by big oil and gas. The bill would add pipelines to the definition of critical infrastructure and dramatically increase penalties in ways that could affect protesters. The bill is still pending. There have also been some important developments in two key cases. There was a big win in the case Pastor Joseph was talking about. A state court ruled the permit issued by the Louisiana Department of Natural Resources to Bayou Bridge Pipeline allowing the company to construct and operate a crude oil pipeline through Louisiana's coastal zone, was illegal. The ruling is in favor of the petitioners in the case, including Pastor Joseph, the HELP Association, the Gulf Restoration Network, the Atchafalaya Basin Keeper, and others who were represented by the Tulane Environmental Law Clinic. Meanwhile, a federal appeals court overturned the injunction that stopped construction on the Atchafalaya Basin. The challenge to the U.S. Army Corps permit is still playing out, but construction was allowed to resume. Last week, the court heard an appeal from CCR's partners to reinstate the injunction and stop construction while the case continues. So there's a lot happening on a number of fronts. Stay tuned. The Real AF. The Real AF. The Real AF. Yeah, I just need you to say The Real AF. The Real AF. The Real AF. I'm here with Jeffrey Weinrich, our CCR Finance Director. Hi, Jeffrey. Hello. Uh, Are you ready to answer some tough questions? Sure, I guess I am. 
as long as they're not too tough. Okay. Uh, would you rather have a bit role in Casablanca or The Godfather? The Godfather. Oh, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So, what kind of role? A really bit role. <laughs> Is there a particular scene? You know, maybe it? maybe even just at the wedding scene, at the the opening wedding scene. You know, one of one of the guys hanging out at the opening wedding scene. I, I would do that. Just you know, kind of a drink in my hand, hanging hanging with the people at the in the garden. <laughs> if you had a superpower, would you rather be able to fly or read people's minds? Read people's minds, no question. I'm interested in what people are thinking even when they're not saying it, and I'm petrified of flying. <laughs> would you rather win an Olympic medal, an Academy Award, or the Nobel Peace Prize? The Academy Award for my bit role in The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that kind of extra. You notice me. 